I am a queer writer from the Pacific Northwest. I usually do urban fantasy and all that good stuff. I have three animals in the room with me today and they may make some noise, but they're really cute. So it's going to be worth it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of me in this corner. Elliot, would you like to jump in with an intro? Sure. Um, hi, friends. Uh, I'm Elliot Junkyard. I write queer fiction and I'm a fiber artist and I live in eastern Pennsylvania. And I don't have any pets, but I'm a big proponent of raised pets. So if they make noise, everyone else just has to deal with it. Although there is going to be a, a possibility of a pug in the background that is not mine, so everybody can be mad about that one, because <laughs> I'm mad about not, that too. We're not team pug, we're team Riona and Sansa. Exactly, and Gus, but he doesn't usually make noise, so hopefully it won't be a big deal. So it's going to be a weird noisy day over here for me, hopefully it's not too noisy, I'm sorry about that. Anyway, on this lovely Sunday, it sounds like both of our areas have switched weather for the day. I'm in the super, super, super sunny, almost going to be 80 degrees, and Elliot it has my Pacific Northwest weather. So Yeah, it's, I mean, I technically live on a mountain, but it's not the size of a mountain you'd see in the <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Yeah. But it's like everything is starting to become green after the nine million years of winter, and it's rainy, but the rain is like overcast and atmospheric and not Aww. like gross rain. I want it back. <laughs> I have Riona trying to play with me now. She's now high on catnip and now trying to play with me. None of my decisions were smart this morning, but you know what? It's just the way the cookie crumbled. I want a cookie. Every time you mention catnip, I think about that tweet you made about how all of your other cats are responsible nippers, but Sansa is like a crazy catnip pothead. She legitimately is, though. She, if she hears the sound of the catnip jar opening, she will wake up and immediately be like, wherever I am, and be like, um, excuse you, where is this? And if I put it in one spot for her and then I move to another spot for another cat, she'll follow me to that new spot and just keep trying to get all of the catnip. It's ridiculous. It's wonderful. It's really fucking cute, honestly. And it just, it, it makes for a lot of extra cleanup and I'm complaining about it, but honestly, it's really fucking cute. So, you know, <laughs> basically my entire life is my animals are really, 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 really cute and also a little bit annoying. <laughs> On that note, even though I would love this podcast to be primarily about my animals, we should probably start talking about the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah. Um. So we're on episode two, season one, Chariots of War, which originally aired September 11th, 1995. And the summary of this episode reads as follows. Xena <clears throat> <laughs> is wounded, defending a group of farmers and taken into Darius's home to recover. Gabrielle, waiting for her, is rescued by the son of a warlord terrorizing the farmers. I don't think Darius's name is spoken throughout the entire episode. I didn't, realize I didn't know he had, he had a name. Yeah. I think we just called him Hot Dad. Uh, yeah, he was literally just Hot Dad the entire time. I'm so confused. Honestly, I don't even know... I, what's Eyeliner Guy's name? I don't know anybody's name in this. Yeah, I was like, did Eyeliner Guy have a name? I don't know. Did his did Eyeliner Guy's evil dad have a name? You know who did have a name? Was Eyeliner Guy's dead brother. Yeah, they definitely mentioned it. That's like the only name that I actually remember out of this entire thing. The kids didn't even have names. I mean, the kids might have had names. I just already forgot them. 
because they weren't yeah. relevant to my Same. life. The kids, the kids were forgettable except for the daughter because she was amazing and creepy. Oh my god, I loved her so much. Okay. We forgot the one thing mm-hmm. that we already mentioned that we were going to do at the beginning of this. <laughs> like oh, we did. We're ago. so good at this. <laughs> so good at this. Okay. All right. So, sidebar, <laughs> because I mentioned before we started recording that we have neglected to mention our pronouns in the last episode and the intro episode. So, uh, we're going to do that now. Awesome. <laughs> Surprise. Good job, guys. Um, so, my pronouns are he, him. And, Ray? My pronouns are she, they. Yeah. We did yeah. the thing. Good job, guys. All right. Woo! Okay, back <laughs> to the actual notes. Elliot, you start. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, the episode begins with Gabriella is like waxing poetic about romance and finding your tree in the forest that you can entwine branches with I don't know something really purple prosy because it it's Gabrielle and Zena makes a comment about how like strong trees stand alone or uh, something like that which really isn't true actually but you know <laughs> okay so yeah so I don't, this entire thing felt very innuendo to me. Like, just a lot of intertwining trees in forests. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very gay, as is all of this show. All of this show um, is so gay. <clears throat> yeah, my, my first note is, all caps, Gabrielle wants to be Xena's tree in the forest, because, obviously. Obviously, yeah. They want to be together forever, even if Xena doesn't know it yet. And then the, my following note is that guy, because they're in the middle of, like, they stop. A bar or a tavern or something. Yeah, they stop at a tavern to, uh, like, stay for the night or something like that. And then a guy immediately walks up to Gabrielle and starts trying to hit on her. My next note is that guy also wants to be her tree in the forest. Because I think I'm funny. Anyway. There, there's there's a lot of gross, gross straight men trying to get up on Gabrielle. And Gabrielle being like, no. Basically, half of this episode, okay, it's not half the episode, it happens like two times, but that's enough for me. Okay, and then, I don't remember how this comes up in the actual episode, but for whatever reason, Zena has to leave for a little bit. Do you remember why this happened? I don't. I feel like maybe she was going to meet someone or do, whatever she was doing, it was supposed to just be like a small errand that she was just going to go run, and then she'd be back that night. Right. Like, it was like. So whatever, it wasn't important enough that, like, Gabrielle needed to come with her. It was just like, I gotta go do this thing, wait here for me, and I'll be back. And Exactly. It was supposed to be whatever. a really simple, quick thing. Like, Zena specifically says that, like, she'll be back by that night. It shouldn't be a problem. But despite all of this, Gabrielle still makes it into a big deal and has a moment of, as uh, Zena is getting on Argo, the horse, she says, don't forget about me. And the way, the way Zena responds, because Zena says, I won't, but she doesn't just say, like, oh, I won't, like, you say to someone that you're, like, trying to placate. She says it like, I won't. <laughs> oh it's like, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. Is she trying to be, like, demanding, insisting that she won't? How many times has she left Gabrielle at this point? And how many times <laughs> has she said this to her? I feel like it's almost out of annoyance, but also out of love. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Um, my literal notes following that are literally gay in love. <laughs> yep. Really my entire notes for every episode so far. I mean, there's only been two. It will continue. <laughs> and then from this point, as uh, Zena is riding off into the the valley, blah, 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 the scene cuts to 
a set of villagers as they are in the middle of um, I would like to say building something, but what they're actually doing is hitting wood into each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally hitting, like, tiny, I, I don't even know what to call them, like, stubs of wood into bigger stubs of wood. There is absolutely nothing productive happening in this supposed setup. And we fall on a dad who has been dubbed Hot Dad, even though he's technically named Darius, I guess. And, sorry, I'm mad about it. Um, and his three children, who are also all hitting random wood blocks into bigger blocks of wood. Yeah, now all three of these children are like eight and younger. Like the oldest is eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. And the little, because there's two boys and a girl, and the girl is the youngest, and she's like three, maybe four. Yeah. And so the fact that the dad has entrusted his kids to like, try and hammer at all is ridiculous because you don't give small children hammers because they'll hurt themselves even in ancient greece exactly and everybody like i just don't understand the concept of the wood into the wood i'm oh that's gay this was maybe this entire thing was just secret 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 subtext yeah. <laughs> oh, I, th- I have a feeling it's because they didn't want to give children actual hammers so they were like pretend that this piece of wood is a mallet I mean, and I'm like but it's not it's just another piece of wood <laughs> I just want to know if they thought that nobody would notice that oh bless me bless you I had a lot of feelings <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so as Elliot said, there's three children, two are the older boys, and then there's a little girl who's probably, I'd say, like, four, maybe? I don't know, maybe younger. I'm really bad at guessing kids' ages. And she's very, 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 very creepy from the get-go. Um, she reminded me a little bit of one of the twins from, like, the original Flowers in the Attic movie. Okay, I never saw that one. I only saw the remake. That's totally fine. It may have been very similar, but, like, just very young child blank stare creepy the whole nine yards um, yeah and she's like blonde and her hair is long and just like the vacant eyed like thousand yard stare yes which she then does out into the field where she sees men riding on horses and of course they're all dressed in black all of the horses are black like you know they look very creepy they're coming towards them and she turns and she's silent and she just points and when her dad hot dad turns around he doesn't see anything because the men have disappeared under a hill for a second which just doesn't make any sense to me is he just not (laughs) looking in the right direction i don't know like how fast can these horses ride i mean i don't know how fast can the horses ride and how how big are these how many hills are in this valley (laughs) how many exactly how many hills how many hills can they just disappear completely behind but whatever um and she just keeps pointing because she doesn't speak because she's creepy they try to make a point about this later but ultimately i just think the child is creepy and he looks again and he's like i don't see anything and then suddenly they get attacked because the dad is just can't see these people in black i guess and of course xena comes in and immediately like magically xena's there because of course xena's there what is xena doing where is xena going we don't know but she's here she's doing this thing now 
And yeah, yeah. Just, she just happened upon the village in need as Zena does. <laughs> exactly. As Zena always does. And oh, I had an entire moment of like, uh, sorry, I wasn't looking at my notes for a second. I was literally just thinking about how upset I was about this hot dad not seeing these people. So not only does the child have a bomb straight face, but I was trying really hard to figure out if these were like Draco's people because they also looked like they had like the same headgear. And then I just discovered that I think all the villains are just going to be weirdly tanned white dudes in black. Yeah, I think that's... Because, I mean, if there's one... I could be wrong about this, but there's there's one thing the show does. I don't think it makes POC the villains, like, as a horrible racist trope. I think it's all just a bunch of white dudes in dark armor because dark armor is bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, and everybody needs to be weirdly tanned, except for Gabrielle and Zena, because, I don't know, but it's like, it's all weird, orangey, fake tans. It's not like we're yeah. trying to make this person look a different race. It's literally orangey, like, fake spray tans that they needed to do real quick. Yeah, like, maybe, maybe they thought, like, it was, like, one of those, uh, if you work outside or you're outside warrioring, you're going to get a tan because there is no sunscreen in ancient Greece. Right, which makes total sense, but what about Xena? Where's her tan? Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they're just trying to do some weird, like, blackface thing. Like, we want to show that POC are the bad guys, but we're not going to hire any to play the bad guys. We're just going to fake tan a bunch of white guys and be like, look, they're dark, so they're bad. Yeah, maybe. Which is equally problematic, actually, on two levels. Exactly. So I don't know. I don't know where they're going here. I, I am going to keep watching out for this to see if it, the badly tanness continues on. But besides that, that was my big thing. I just wanted to pop on it about that before we jumped into Xena doing her doing her battling shit. It, it's a good battle. Okay, we mentioned later on in our notes how many themes and yells, but then when I went back and counted, I have a total of five theme songs. Oh my god. And three yells. So this is a very theme-heavy episode. Damn, yeah. We have our first theme song plus War Cry when Xena comes in and starts doing her sh- her bullshit when she's rescuing these people, kind of. Oh, and this is also our first mention of somebody that we've mentioned already, Eyeliner Hottie. We don't know his name, but he's a dude. He's he's bad, yeah. kind of. He's got eyeliner. He's the only dude who's wearing eyeliner. That will probably make a comeback in a later conver- conversation when we see him again. But yeah, so she fights him for a second, and... Oh yeah, there's an entire, in my notes I have an entire section about how he's really evil but he's gotta look good and all of Xena's villains look like, are gonna be good looking guys who either like wear eyeliner or some sort of makeup. Yeah, because like, what I notice is that the head bad guy usually has some kind of like capital L look going on. Yeah, exactly. But all of like, the warriors are just like, slovenly like gross looking like they're evil so let's give them bad teeth kind of extras exactly whereas like the main dude or whoever is going to be like the main attention of whatever we're xena's going up against always has something special going on like draco with his weird braid hat thing last episode and now eyeliner hottie who also was just attractive in general but yeah so basically xena takes out everybody pretty quickly all things considered um until fucking archers come out of nowhere and start shooting shit down and um oh before we get to the archers i want to talk about that thing she did with the jumping in off of argo oh yes go for it 
Okay, so this battle scene overall, I think, is really excellent <laughs> because so many shenanigans happen. Because first of all, it's pretty much just Xena against the entire horde of warriors because the townspeople are pretty useless. Yeah, and then Xena does this thing where she's riding on Argo. She jumps off Argo like flips through the air and lands on this table, which ends up acting like a seesaw. So like she jumps down on the one end and it like hits this dude in the face with the other end. And then he falls back down onto the table and then it propels her back into the air. And then she flips back onto Argo and keeps riding. And it's like some fucking witchcraft. Because she's magical. Okay. Magic. (laughs) Although. I really appreciate that you're here for the like in-depth discussion of the fight scenes because I like find that one thing in the fight scene and then that's the only thing that I remember about it, such as the <laughs> archers. Whereas you actually like pay attention to them. That scene was just so crazy. I just like I want I wish I could like travel back in time. And, like, sit on the writing panel of this, like, episode and be like, who came up with this nonsense? Because it's so ridiculous. I understand that completely. Like, don't you ever just wonder sometimes, especially as you're watching shows like this, where, like, a group of people had to sit together in a room and decide that this was how this scene needed to happen. And they came up with this. Yeah, I mean, like, it's great. It's totally implausible. But I like when people commit to the fact they're like, it's fucking sci-fi. I don't give a shit. It's implausible. This is what we're doing. This is our brand. No, I love it. I love it. Amazing. So from there, I think she basically is like fought everybody off for a second. Because isn't there's a moment of like, I feel like she turns around and she's like almost, she thinks she's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's there's archers. They start happening. Oh my God, I made a comment about how, because Zena's so good at acrobatics, she means she's a really good lover. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, God. Oh, right. Okay, and so Zena catches arrows in her hand because she's a fucking boss. The archers happen. There's like arrows raining down, and she is on Argo, I believe, when this is happening. Yeah, yeah, she's on Argo. And the first two that she catches, like, are shooting, like, straight for her heart or her chest. Right. And she catches them in her hands like she's clapping. Yeah. Like, what even? How do you? She would have been totally successful in missing the other one because there was a third, except bitch doesn't have a third hand. So, you know, (laughs) screwed herself over there. Yeah, so then she ends up getting shot in the side kind of it's like the side gut area like just below the ribs all that lovely meaty good flesh of muscle stuff then we jump into the theme song where elliot once again has some feelings i do i'm like i'm sorry if this if we end up being on like episode 100 and i'm like oh my god but ray her courage will save the world but like (laughs) it's just so good (sighs) oh It's okay, Elliot. I understand. I'm the same way with the season one um, monologue in Buffy when they're talking about how she, like, every uh, generation there's a chosen one. I can, like, do the whole thing, but this isn't a Buffy podcast, so I can't do that right now. But, like, I feel you. Sometimes there are just those 90s opening monologues that really get you. (laughs) Okay, so we have feelings about the theme. The theme song happens. It's great. And then we pan in on Xena in, I believe, in the bed already yeah yeah she's in the she's at hot dad's house 
and, and he's put her in, uh, I guess, his bed, because it's certainly not one of the kids' beds. No, because it's gigantic. And um, basically, like, has her propped up and is taking off her her leather armor, etc., because she has been shot. She does not look good. We This is the first ep, like bit of evidence that we see. She does not have her shift on underneath her leather. She's just naked. She's just naked. Yeah. Also, a thing that I noticed that we definitely didn't mention uh, when we were watching this is, like, he takes off her, you know, her leather armor, and she's, like, clearly, like, topless. <laughs> like, oh yeah. he's, he's, like, totally getting an eyeful of her boobs. While he's helping her take the the arrow out, one hundred percent. The way, yeah, like the way the camera is panning, like it's clearly angled so that you can't see below like her shoulders because she's totally topless. Yeah. So I'm not a massive fan of Hot Dad. We'll just get that out there from the from the get go. But yeah, essentially they have a miniature conversation about like. Oh, blah, blah, she's been shot. Eh, blah, blah, blah. He's giving her hard eyes for obvious reasons. The kid, like, the kids are kind of there. The dad tells them to kind of leave them alone because she's, you know, been shot by an arrow and has an arrow sticking out of her gut. Kind of reasonable reason to want somebody to be alone. <laughs> she's sitting there and making the most convincing pain noises I've ever heard in my life. Holy for shit. fucking real. And she's got, like, I don't know if they put, like, pale makeup on her because she looks like there's no blood in her face and like she's sweating and right like a plus makeup team a plus to lucy lawless for these Seriously. convincing like fuck i might be dying noises yeah like oh, just holy shit this entire thing is so convincing i literally had a moment of like i winced in pain for her because i was like oh god she she's doing such a good job so she essentially ends up telling him and explaining to him how he needs to go about taking the arrow out, explains that she can tell that the arrow hasn't gone all the way through, so he's going to have to push the arrow through, then she's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to break the arrow and, you know, do the whole nine yards thing. Um, and I have never heard such a convincing noise when he pulled, like, the when he pulled the arrow out, she made this sound that was so, like, guttural. And through grit teeth, and she just, oh, fuck, that noise killed me. It was just such a good, like, acting moment for for Lucy Lawless and for Xena. It was so good. Oh, I can't, that was, like, my favorite point in the episode, just because it was, it just shows off how amazing of an actress Lucy actually is. Yeah, she really is. She's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, And then, basically, yeah, they push the arrow through, and then she, like, kind of explains how to heal it, and then we go off from there. There was more weird scaffold fighting again by random people. Yeah, we're, we're back with uh, eyeliner hotties army, I guess, and they're just like chilling and f- fighting in the air for funsies, I guess. This is what warriors do in their free time to keep themselves sharp. It's like stand on scaffolding. Yeah, and just what's that word when you like are fake fighting with somebody? Um, sparring? Yeah, they're, thank you. They're just sparring on the scaffolding because that's just what you do. Maybe they heard about yeah. what happened with Vina and with Draco in the first episode, and so they're like, oh, yeah, we gotta know how to scaffold fight now. I don't know. I have a note, I have a note that's like, should we research if this was actually a thing in ancient Greece? <laughs> and spoiler alert, listener, we did not research it. <laughs> we did not. We didn't at all. I didn't even think of it past that moment. <laughs> Same. Oh, 
Jesus. We're really good at this podcast thing. We are crushing it. Super crushing it. Okay, so yeah, we see this dude for a second, and then we pop back to Eyeliner Guy, um, who is talking to who we discover is his dad, as he is in there, like, you know, a little stronghold place, and dudes are fighting on scaffolding, etc., etc. He's saying that he, him and his archer, shot some woman who was being, like, a warrior for the people, and he thinks he killed her, and the dad is like, does the dad know it's Zena at this point? No, because um, he can't, I don't think he can possibly know it's Zena because the, the way the conversation plays out is that he, okay, from now on, I'm dubbing him Fail Dad because he's the worst. I love it. So Fail Dad is like, you haven't killed enough people, you know, blah, blah, toxic masculinity. You have to prove yourself to me by murdering a bunch of people. Right. And so Eyeliner Hottie's like, but I killed a great warrior today. And Fail Dad's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, I shot her with my arrows and failed that. Just like her, she couldn't have been a great warrior if she was a woman. <laughs> it's just oh, like, okay. go fuck yourself. Okay. I couldn't remember if he made that, made a comment about it, like knowing it was Zena now or later. So it must have been later. But yeah, that makes total sense. Um, Obviously, Eyeliner Hottie has a lot of daddy issues that are ongoing and current. <laughs> and... We made some notations that um, contain some spoiler territory, so we're gonna skip over those because we decided we're not gonna we're not gonna mention it. We are gonna make some very vague re- references if it's needed. Unfortunately, it is not needed at the moment. Then, okay, here we go. We come to the moment where Zena has a moment with kids, and she's asleep in their dad's bed, and they're all hanging out at the foot of her bed. It's the two boys, and they're making comments like commentary about like who she is and why she's there and one kid goes if she dies i get her horse and like this is a 10 year old kid he probably doesn't even know how to ride a horse what is he doing why does he get her horse and yeah argo would just be like bitch please exactly and the younger brother is like no you don't i get the horse and they just start arguing and then basically it's just a moment of Zena waking up and being like, oh, hey, kids, your kids, let me communicate like, oh. and talk to you. And the look on Zena's face when she like wakes up is like, ah, oh, good, I'm still alive. Basically, yeah. I mean, I would be fairly worried, too, if I had been shot by an arrow and then some dude that I didn't know, I like had to take it out who didn't know what he was doing and I had to like lead him. I'd be pretty concerned. I get yeah. it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that she's pretty happy about that, although it sucks to be woken up by kids. And now we finally get back to girlfriend Gabrielle. Who is, who's waiting for Zena at whatever tavern they pre, you know, destined to, to meet back up at. And she's talking to the bartender and she's just like pacing back and forth, being the most worried. And she's talking oh, about Zena. And the first thing she says is she's very dependable. I, just, I don't know. I just, I love them. When we cut back to Hot Dad's house and Xena is now like awake and looking a little bit more like a human being. Uh, So she's propped up in bed. The kids are all sitting at the foot of the bed and she's telling this story about, I think, like a giant she slayed. Oh, right. 
and she's about to say that like she rammed her sword into his foot but then hot dad comes in and makes this face like please don't tell my children gory stories so like xena does this like quick shift makes her story family friendly and she makes up this story about how she like grabbed a goose and like tickled the giant's foot the son is like you tickled his foot with the feather and she's like no he's a giant so i had to use the whole goose (laughs) oh my god Zena, not only a master warrior but also a master storyteller and what's the word um improviser yeah (laughs) amazing absolutely amazing okay so basically yeah they're having conversations about kids her shift is back she's wearing her shift and it's definitely faster faster wow words um fancier than the one last week i didn't have any coffee this morning i'm just running on half a cup of tea so please excuse my inability to the words or do anything so yeah also you're you're you get a pass because like it's 1 30 here but it's probably like actual morning where you are oh yeah it's 100 percent 10 30 right now I have been yeah, like, I, I didn't even get up until like 11 o'clock my time. So the fact that you were like, like texting me, like we can do, we can do the, the podcast this morning if you want. And I was like, how are you even alive yet? So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I woke up early. I didn't have coffee. I can't talk. That's the story. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So the shift is super fancy in comparison to the one that we saw last week. There's like embroidering and ruffles and the whole nine yards on it. Yeah, like fancy buttons. Exactly. Like it's it's a thing. And then we have this weird moment of I feel like Zena and Hot Dad are like having flirtatious moments, but also they're not really talking. They're just like, I don't know, trying to make the point that Hot Dad is hot. And honestly, we get it. He's hot. If you're into dude he's really hot okay like we we know we know i got over it really quickly so <laughs> i just don't care about yeah and that. also and also like the point is is like being hit hit over our heads that like xena might be a warrior but she's also really good with kids right it's like xena might also and, might know, be a warrior but she could also be a mom and they're like okay yeah okay. yeah it's like and hot dad is like practically wearing a sign it's like i am Looking for someone to fill the place of my dead wife. Literally. Literally. It's so ridiculous. And you can tell it's one of those things where, like, they don't have any actual, like, chemistry based on their personalities or how they get on together. It's just hot dad wants a hot mom. Zena is in that state where she's like, wow, I just got shot and almost died. What is my life? Why am I doing this sort of thing? And like, she's considering other options. That's literally the entire point of this entire episode, which is fine. It's good. You're, it really does give you a reason to get to know Zena. And I did make notes about that for the later half of the episode. So we'll talk about that later. But um, I don't know. It just, it, you really get smacked over the head with this hot dad shit for the, this like five minute interval and I'm just done with it. I just don't care. This is, this is the first of many heterosexual smoke screens that we will see throughout the show. Also, and a side note, I had read uh, an article with the, I, I guess, showrunner, head producer, I'm not sure, that they did not intend to make the show so gay, but like about what, like maybe halfway through the first season or after the first season, they realized how gay it was coming off. And the network was like very like this is not a show about lesbians so you're not gonna push that envelope and so they were just like 
all right, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And the people who see it a certain way are going to see it a certain way. So like they were, they were never at the, we're going to deny this point. They were just like, well, straight people are going to see it one way and people who are not straight are going to see it another way. And we're not going to stop. And I will say from my own memory, which as we've discussed, I haven't had a full rewatch of this since I was a kid. From my memory of it, there are only like two relationships that are noted or important enough for Xena that are like obviously heterosexual. And that is, as we've said, spoiler territory, so we won't go into it. But I just feel like it's one of those things where like, you're right, everything is kind of random, like romantic, heterosexual smoke screens. And for anybody who is actually paying attention to the characters and is paying attention to it more than for more than just, oh, wow, random possible love interest per episode, you're going <laughs> to it's going to be pretty obvious that her most important relationship is with her female counterpart. So I don't know, whatever. I think that they, as far as random heterosexual smoke screens go, I appreciate that they are usually going to be pretty obvious for the viewer who is looking at it with the gay subtext goggles on. It's going to be easy for us to be like, oh no, that's not serious, you know? Also, it gives us plenty of fodder for headcanon sexualities for Xena, which is really, really, really nice for people who need that sort of, you know, ability to see themselves. Indeed. And it is is my fondest wish that at some point we will be able to have a a heterosexual smokescreen jingle the way uh, (gasps) Buffering the Vampire Slayer has jingles for, like, the Sexual Attention Award and other things, so. I know a person who could make us that jingle. Yes, if the listener uh, is also interested in this, they can get at us where that will, I don't know, set up a Patreon or a coffee or some some way for you to give us money that we can pay uh, a talented queer artist who can make us a jingle. I would love that so much. Oh, my God. I 100% support this. Anyway, I'll talk to you about that outside of this because I had an, I literally had a moment of, oh, I have a light bulb idea. Um, but besides that, back to romantic um, heterosexual smoke screens and she just really loves Argo. Okay, all of this is coming. Okay, I'm remembering the scene. The scene is coming back to me now. So they're having this conversation about how the daughter who was doing the creepy shit at the beginning um, doesn't talk since her mom died because that's always a thing. And I really wish that we had slightly better representation for people who do, who, who like are actually mute and like who have this sort of stuff that happens to them. Because by the end of the episode, when shit happens with romantic heterosexuality smoke screens, the, the child is no longer mute by the end of the episode. And it just makes yeah, she, she just gets over her damage in the space of one episode because Xena showed up and was like, I don't know, a strong woman figure. And a faux mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, it, just, it always really irks me because I get it. You're trying to make a note, uh, an entire like commentary about how Xena could be a good mom and how these kids are really related to her and they understand her. And look, this little child who suffered through this trauma of her mother dying and had this response is suddenly healed because of it. And it's like, okay, that's great. But also it's literally been a day. And what you're saying is that the dad just needed to have her have some sort of relationship with the female in order to make her start talking again. Cause that just, I don't know. It's, it's so far fetched. It makes me really upset. There are mute people in the world who are mute because of their traumas. And they never get good reps because it's always like automatically snap of a finger fixed by the end of the episode. So makes me mad. That's all I had to say. Okay. Well, it was it was a good tangent to go on. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, Mini spoilers for the end of the episode, but you know we'll get there. Um. Okay. Yeah. So in the next scene, 
Xena is trying to leave. She's lovingly putting all of these beautiful pelts onto Argo because Argo is, Argo is like really her best friend. Like Gabrielle might be her soulmate, but Argo is like her best friend. Which I understand. And can we just talk about how much I love their relationship though? Because all I ever want to see is wonderful relationships between MCs and their like their pets and their animals. And they... We just don't see that very often. And me being the crazy animal lover that I am, I want that representation. So I love this. It makes me so happy to see how much she loves baby Argo. Yes. And I I like it because we haven't seen a whole lot of it because we're only two episodes in. But I know later on in the series, she does things where like she'll talk to Argo and he'll like do like a horse snort. And she knows what he means, like yes. And I'm just like, yes, you have a a, a human a horse connection. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I'm so excited to get further into that. Honestly, I'm really excited to get past the first season because I know the first seasons are always the hardest, especially on shows like this. And mm-hmm. I'm just ready to get past it because I'm so excited to get into the real depth of it. But also, I'm loving every single like minute of this like you know crazy first season anyway this is also where another fantastic one-liner comes in from hot dad and i gotta say you can really tell that there's some really good writers in this writer's room but two episodes in all of my great one-liners are coming from random dudes who aren't gonna be in the next episode so i'm a little bit upset with that but of course because they've had some very tense moments together hot dad and xena in the less than 12 hours that they've known each other he is automatically diving into her deepest, deepest fears and says to her as she's in the middle of petting beautiful baby Argo and says, are you so brave that you fear someone caring for you? Okay, fuck, that's a good one-liner. B, it is really true. I just wanted that line to be spoken by Gabrielle because she has like... right more right to say that line than this random dude that did one thing for her and now thinks he knows her. Exactly. And, like, I'll let the last episode, Wonderful One-Liners from Draco, like, pass because they had a they had a relationship. They had a yeah. setup. That's totally acceptable. They were using those one-liners as a real setup to show us what Draco's relationship was with Xena. But, ultimately... It just, it falls really flat here because it's just this random dude who we don't care about saying these really in-depth things to her. And it just really made me roll my eyes. So fuck, fuck that beautiful one-liner, fucky dude. And then my favorite, favorite thing that happens besides the other favorite thing that I've already mentioned is some silo goes up in flames. Somebody is burning something. I believe it is eyeliner hotties dudes because... The dad is really into, like, destroying this village for some reason. He wants to take over this village. So he, they send people to set something on on fire. And so there is, a like, a burning silo that's happening. Hot Dad and Zeno run outside. And Hot Dad takes a singular pail, like, jug of water and just <laughs> throws it. Throws it near, near to the burning silo. Meanwhile, this is, like, like a full-size silo where it's, like, two stories tall and the the fire is starting at the top. Right, like, there's literally no way that this singular jug of water could have done a single thing. And yet, and yet, I understand it was probably like, oh my god, this is in the moment, I have to do something, so he grabs the jug of water. But 
it's like an entire building structure that's already on fire. There's nothing he could have done. Yeah, it's like, nah, dude, you're just fucked. You just got to make sure it doesn't spread to other buildings at this point. Exactly. So I was, I had a moment. It was, oh God, it was so bad. Um, and then while things are on fire and things are, things are happening, we go back to Gabrielle in the tavern who's being hit on by a dude with really ugly, basically... He is being fucky and trying to get her to say yes when she's already said no. He, he, like, there's multiple moments of, like, him trying to just coerce her. And at one point he says, is that a yes? And she responds, not in the customary sense of the word. <laughs> I just appreciate her and her beautiful wordsmithing. Yes, same. Mm-hmm. And then Gabrielle makes this comment about how she's waiting for her friend and that she'll be right along or whatever. And in the classic gross straight dude move, he says, I could be a friend to both of you. Yeah. <laughs> Which, no. I'm so sorry. No. I'm. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, Riona just jumped on my lap. Oh, this is amazing. I love these moments. This is my new favorite thing that she does. So a uh, quick story for those of you who don't know about my animals. Riona is my youngest and she is not cuddly in the least. She will not cuddle. She will sleep next to me and she will like lie next to me and she always has to touch me. But she does not like to be cuddled and like held or anything like that. She'll never, never be that cat. But recently she has started jumping up on my lap when I'm sitting at my desk and she just falls asleep sitting on my lap. I'm not allowed to pet her because then she'll run away. But she'll just sit on my lap and it's the sweetest thing in the world. Oh my God. Oh, okay. Sorry, had to get that out of my system. Anyway, okay. So Gabrielle makes a beautiful excuse of, oh, and that's my hot warlord boyfriend over there too. Uh, The camera pans to eyeliner dude because eyeliner hottie is suddenly in the same tavern as Gabrielle is, showing that Zena is really also not that far away. From there, dude makes a comment about how like, that's not really her boyfriend. And so she's like, oh, really? Is he not? And then she runs over, sits on eyeliner hottie's lap, makes a comment about how he just needs to like go with it for a second. And then kisses them. And quick moment of just, hey, can we remember that consent exists? Consent is a thing. And I'd like, I know that this is a common trophy thing that people do to like get away from, like to show that people are like trying to get away from things. And it's a really great meet cute. But also just like don't kiss somebody randomly without saying like, hey, can I kiss you really quickly or something like that? Just like, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Made me uncomfy for a second, although obviously eyeliner hottie's down for it. But just, 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 you know, if you're going to use somebody for a meet cute, maybe make sure that you, like, ask them for their permission before you use their body, you know? I don't want to get too sidetracked, but, like, this whole, like, trope is just, there's so much to unpack. Because, first mm-hmm. of all, Gabrielle is getting away from some gross dude who doesn't respect her boundaries as a human doesn't respect once she says, by the way, I have a girlfriend and she's meeting me still doesn't respect her. And then she needs, you know, another man to be like, no, no, I'm his property. So that alone is its own set of patriarchy bullshit. And then the fact that she has to like, you know, invade this dude's privacy and not ask for any kind of consent before she's just like, I'm going to kiss you now because that's me violating your, your bodily autonomy is better than this dude violating me. Exactly. It feels very much of a, like, Oh, I'm in this really awkward situation where I'm feeling overwhelmed and feeling like this dude is, you know, getting, getting to the point where it could be a dangerous situation or something like that. So she's going 
and doing the same exact thing to somebody else. Like, she's blatantly had the, ch- the choice to say no, taken away from her in this situation. And so she has to come up with another excuse in a way to say, not only is she saying no, but she's just putting herself out of the situation in total. And then she goes to this other random person and does the same exact thing. She's blatantly taking the opportunity for this person to say no away from them by doing what she's doing. And obviously, I really, I'm not going to blame Gabrielle in this because this is just a trope that comes up all the time. I just wish that it was done in a better way where it was a little bit easier for people to say no to situations like this. Because I get it's a very common thing. I've seen it in romance all the time. I know it's a thing that happens. It's just shitty. It's kind of shitty. And people don't realize that it's a shitty thing to do. And it's something that definitely should be more unpacked. This is really turning into just a ranty, ranty rant episode. I'm really sorry. Pretty much every episode is Dina battles the patriarchy, but sometimes Gabrielle also battles the patriarchy. Right. And I just want to make sure that if we're sitting around talking about the patriarchy, that we actually unpack it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so dude that she ends up making out with, and he is obviously totally okay with being made out with after the fact, is Eyeliner Hotties. And my entire, I just really love how all of this goes because I feel like this, this entire interaction is like the like most gay subtle subtext ever of just two awkward bisexuals hanging out with each other. Yes. <laughs> like because they they have this conversation where in vague terms Eyeliner Hottie is trying to explain how Fail Dad wants him to go into like the family business but he doesn't really like it and his dad is very overbearing and he doesn't want to have he doesn't want to have to do this thing to make his dad proud. Yeah. And Gabrielle's response is to be like, look, I just had a similar conversation with my mom where I had to tell her that she's not getting any grandkids because I'm running off with this hot warrior lady. Literally. So, so yeah. So after the bisexual conversation, um, bisexual outing kind of conversation, um, we jump back to Zena having a conversation with hot dad because there is a town meeting and some of the heads of the town want Zena gone and they want her out and they don't want her showing up in her warrior gear because that could be seen as inflammatory and they're trying for peace and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, Zena basically makes this comment about how her warrior gear is the only thing she wears, which I mean (laughs) is true, but I like that. I like this thing that the show does where they, it's kind of like poking fun at themselves. Right. Like, like on, on Doug, where he wore the same thing every day, but also like when you looked in his closet, it was just eight outfits of the exact same thing. Yes. And like, <laughs> I feel like that's Zena too. She probably has a pack of like, you know, where her clothes are and that sort of shit. And it's all just the same leather outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and like maybe two shifts. I'm going to start counting counting the different shifts that we see in this show at this point. But yeah, so because of this conversation, the dad is like, no, I still want you to go. But here, you should wear one of my, some of my wife's clothing. Opens up a chest with all of his dead wife's clothes, which he's kept. So, yeah, so that's weird. Yeah, that's a little weird. I mean, I understand keeping some clothing, etc. Like, I still have my mom's wedding dress, but like, you know... It's been a few years. To have her entire wardrobe is a little bit creepy. But besides that, and he pulls out this this big blue dress, and he starts trying to talk her into wearing it, and he's like, my wife was wearing this dress the day that we met, and, like, all that shit. And then proceeds to say, 
you would be surprised by the power of this dress. And I just had the biggest you moment. I just, <laughs> no, nope, 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 nope. I'm noping out of this shit. I do not like this heterosexual smokescreen dude. I don't like him. Maybe I'll like some others later, but I do not like Hot Dad. Yeah, and so it very quickly goes from, well, you can you can wear some of my, you know, some of the clothes I still have lying around because I'm a widow to wear the dress that I fell in love with my wife in, like the very first moment I saw her. Like, yeah. no, pick pick a less meaningful dress if you need to do this. This is not the dress you pick. It, yeah, it's, it was just super uncomfortable for me. Um, but of course, she eventually says yes, because she wants to go to this town meeting. She wants to be part of it because she wants to protect the people. And also, she kind of maybe might want to see what it's like to pretend to be this kid, these kids' moms for a day. Maybe. There might be a slight inkling there. But yes. besides that, so we jump to a cut of her putting on the dress looking at herself in the mirror, and this just perfectly timed wind. Yeah, this magical wind from nowhere just, like, blows through her hair and makes her look even more smoking than she is normally. Right. Like, she goes from looking like a smoking hot warrior to being a smoking hot housewife look. And, like, she looks very feminine in this. Um, Which, admittedly, Lucy Lawless already looked very feminine throughout the entirety of the series, I think. Like, I don't think that there's a time when except for like maybe once or twice where they go out of their way to make her not look feminine. But she looks like legitimately just, they go out of their way to make her look super, super, super feminine. Very obvious. Like, oh, wow, she's a hot mom. Like, this is a milk moment sort of thing. And yeah. Yeah. And let's see. Oh, yeah. And then he comes back out and he's obviously like, wow, like, you know, think she's really hot. And I think he makes another comment about her being like, her in the dress and the wife, but I don't know when I'm not gonna. Uh, nope, don't like it. Don't want it. Um, he does mention eventually that he used to be a warrior and now he's a pacifist and he's just really sad about it. And yeah, yeah. But now we go into the town meeting and eyeliner hottie is there. Oh, we mi- we did miss a scene. I don't think either of us made any no- notations on this scene actually, but essentially it's agreed upon by eyeliner hottie and by fail dad that they are going to go to this town meeting and try to like fake peace with these people and what they're actually going to do is slaughter the entire like village so that's kind of the point of this entire thing um yeah and eyeliner hottie was like eyeliner hottie was like oh we're gonna try and make peace that's great and fail dad's like no we're gonna tell them we're gonna make peace and then we're gonna murder them all you dumbass right and so Eyeliner Hottie is basically going in there because the dad is trying to get him to prove himself by killing people. Uh, and that obviously is not exactly Eyeliner Hottie's um, MO in this case, but he, he's going to try to make his dad proud. So he goes in, is basically the one leading this town meeting. And of course, as this is all happening, Zena and Hot Dad are standing in the back and Zena is noticing lots of tiny little things that she doesn't like, such as dudes with their hands on their swords she hears the sound of a lock flip outside the door and then she discovers that this is an ambush and that she needs to do some shit of course she's not wearing her warrior gear she's in dead mom's dress and she doesn't have any weapons with her she does her best the theme song starts as the the xena cry happens the moment that the rest of the bad dudes start trying to start a fight 
And my, I believe our notes here go something like this. Xena cry, theme song, this scene, oh my God, a dress rip. <laughs> so that is accurate know. and amazing. Yeah. Because um, really basically what she does is she is just standing in the back, presumably like outnumbered, but all she does is like give the warriors these crazy eyes, like, and she holds up her hands that I guess are supposed to be menacing, but they look more like jazz hands. Yeah. And they all, they all just stop. <laughs> they stop dead in their tracks. And that gives her time to like rip up the sides of the dress so she can move her legs around. And then she just starts kicking ass. Because of course. Zena. Okay. And yeah, basically dad at this point is um, a punk ass wimp. He's a little baby. He's a little baby. And he doesn't do anything. <laughs> um, they all like essentially all the townspeople try to run for the door. The door is locked. Zena has to do all of her Zena e shit. And essentially she ends up and like ends up kind of getting them all out obviously because she she scares the the people off by her jazz hands and crazy eyes (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know what it is but the she's weaponless they all have swords etc but they're real afraid of her crazy eyes yeah um i mean with good reason (laughs) oh yeah i mean i'm sure bare hands she could have still taken them all but still because um, especially they don't even realize that she's Zena at this point. She's just some random woman. But yeah, so um, the son, Eyeliner Hottie, goes back to fail dad. And um, he is unhappy because he didn't kill nobody. And so he says, my son, the coward, blah, blah, And then dives into waxing poetic about how his oldest son, who is now dead, never would have done this. And how um, he would have been, like, he would have killed all of the villagers and blah 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 blah. and so it's a very much a typical the first son was a masculine hetero hero um dad dad thought he was you know put the sun in the sky blah blah blah. and second son is probably the the gay sad son that you know the dad is just disappointed in in general it was it's a very typical um at least it's a, it seems like the typical gay nar- narrative yeah at least one of the many so, yeah, that, that's like, Yeah, and, like, I don't even necessarily think that I, Liner Hottie is gay. I think he, like, like, he's probably, like, maybe bi, maybe queer, or maybe just, like, gender nonconforming because, like, right. he's also wearing, like, little beads and has, like, braided hair. And it's not, like, it's not, like, the style of the warrior because he's the only one that has these things. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm calling him, I'm calling him bisexual at this point just because I feel like that just, that, I don't know. My view of him, I'm headcanning him, headcanoning him as bi, not headcanning him. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I feel like it's it's just a very obvious like queer storyline there, so I, I see it happening, and I do very much appreciate another one line from from the dad um, as he's sending his his son away. He's very unhappy with him. He says, "Go back to the flock and await the slaughter," and I really liked that. Really liked it. Oh, also during this conversation, we find out that Fail Dad learns that the warrior woman is is Xena, and then he hates her like even more because Xena killed his older son. Xena killed, you know, super hetero, like impressive masculine hero son. Yeah, yeah, and so this like spurs a a newfound love for warrior in in eyeliner hottie because he's like, oh. Well, she killed my brother. That gives me a reason to hate her. Like, I don't really like killing people, but she killed my brother, so I can get it. I can I can get it up for this this murder. <laughs> exactly. Like, even now, he 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 suddenly has a reason 
and for the record, this is all we don't we don't actually know the truth. Dad just kind of makes a comment about how Zena killed your brother and blah blah blah. That's that's all that's all we really get. But now Eyeliner Hottie is um let's see what I'm gonna say reflamed because I don't know what the word is. Um, but he's suddenly <laughs> reinvigorated and is like, I can be a killer now, but not really. There's something wrong. Um, and then at this point, Gabrielle and Zena are reunited. I don't know really what happens if Zena just, I can't remember if Zena just decides to go back to the tavern all of a sudden because suddenly she's just not in the village anymore. Yeah, and they don't meet at the vill- at the tavern. They meet in this like random field where Gabrielle is like running towards her and waving like. Right. Was this the designated spot? Like, I'm confused. Right. Or I thought Gabrielle the designated just... spot was the tavern. And so now it's like, did yeah. Gabrielle decide to go in the same direction that Zena was going in? Zena, Zena didn't even get to her original destination. What was Zena trying to do in the first place? But yeah, so girl, girlfriend was waiting for her. So pure, so sweet. They're amazing. Zena apologizes for not showing up and like for being late, which was just, oh my God, the sweetest. Oh God, I just love them so much. Even even Gabrielle is shocked by the fact that Zena apologizes. Exactly. Nobody was expecting it. And yet it was oh it was great. It was great. And it was just a moment of, oh my god, they're so in love. Because I feel like Gabrielle realizes that like, oh my god, she apologized to me. She actually cares about me. Oh, it's great. I love it. And then they just have this off like this kind of cute awkward exchange of like, oh well, are we just gonna stand there all day? Like, what are we doing? And then Gabrielle launches into the story about this dude that she met at the tavern and how she has a little bit of a crush on him. And she says, what if I'm supposed to intertwine with him? And this is all happening in regards to Eyeliner Hottie and I'm crying over it. (laughs) Oh, anyway. And then the, like, obviously the innuendo happens. And then I believe that the there's another fight scene that like basically hops up immediately after this like they basically reunite for 20 seconds and then Zena's like get on Argo and go sort of thing yeah I think what happens is that Zena was going it like Zena was going to meet up with Gabrielle just be like hey I'm alive everything's fine but I got more shit to do and Gabrielle was like well no you just got back I'm not letting you leave me behind again and so Gabrielle jumps on Argo with her, and then they are suddenly being pursued by Fail Dad and Eyeliner Hottie, giving us the the name of this episode because they're being pursued in multiple chariots. They have, I think, they have one chariot with Eyeliner Hottie and Fail Dad, and then one uh, additional chariot with just like some random warriors in it. Yeah, and I will say, I personally do believe the title is a bit of a stretch because nobody is technically this is not a war; these are a few fights. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. You guys you guys want to be all fancy and shit, you can have your fancy titles. <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, they end up deciding, well, Zena ends up deciding that, of course, she's going to fight because this is no longer a fight about the village. This is a fight about them killing Zena because dad wants retribution for the death of his son. And so that entire plot line is just being ignored for the time being. But from there... Argo is running ahead of the chariots. Zena decides that in order to stop them because they have um, arrows in the whole nine yards, she has to get into one of the chariots. So she has like them slow down up to next to one of the chariots so that she can jump into one of them. And I don't know. I don't think this is the one with Fail Dad in it. I think this is the one with the other people first and then they hit Fail Dad, I think. I don't know. I'm bad at these fight scenes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad. 
<laughs> it's okay. Well, Xena somehow uses her Xena magic to take out the extraneous warriors, jumps off of Argo into the chariot, and sends Gabrielle on her way. And Gabrielle is not having it because Gabrielle says, quote, I'm not very good at this horse thing. Amazing. Um, yes, send girlfriend and horse to safety and also as a distraction. Good idea or my note. Because from that point on, even though like it's kind of obvious that fail dad and like, you know, that Zena is not on the same horse, fail dad, etc. Continue to follow Argo. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what happens there. Um, and let's see. Essentially, they like follow Argo for a second until failed out, realizes that she's not on Argo, and like turns back around to the other chariot. And then Argo comes out from behind. I think they just went in a big circle. <laughs> I think that's literally what happened. And uh, she gra- Zena grabs for Gabrielle off Argo and pulls her into the chariot as well. And Argo just keeps going. Because yeah. I, I, was, I was like, man, I'll, I'll just catch up with you guys later. Exactly. It's He's fun. like, okay, I don't have a human to worry about, so I'm just, I'm just gonna, just gonna, you know, go. I'm just gonna get out of here. So he gets the hecky out of here. Good job. And as Zena is about to try to take out Fail Dad and uh, Island or Hottie, she discovers she's lost her chakram and says this to Gabrielle, who looks at her and says, "Is that supposed to be funny?" <laughs> and I died. I love it. Gabrielle has some really great lines during this fight scene because um, I don't know if the chari- if they stop the chariots or the chariots crash or whatever, but at some point they start fighting like on the ground. I think they run. Yeah, Zena goes up against Fail Dad, and Gabrielle sees that. Uh, this is eyeliner hottie's overbearing father and she just looks at him and says that's your overbearing father i love that so much she has so many good lines even though she's not even in this episode all that much it just kills me um oh okay and then this is the point i just really want to know who did this i think it was xena i'm not 100 sure but there is a moment where they all fall because they're in the middle of fighting and they like push each other down and somebody yelps and there's this tiny anybody yelp and I just want to know why and who did it because it's completely completely out of character like I think somebody actually like actually might have hurt themselves for a second and it just didn't make it out of cut I don't know it was great once Zena realizes that like eyeliner hottie is the dude that Gabrielle was like waxing on about <laughs> she says, remind me to talk to you about your taste in men. And this is like in the middle of the fight scene. <laughs> like she is about to like go punch fail dad in the face. But before she's like, before we get there, let me tell you that you have shitty taste in men. Which is the best. And I just wanted to make a quick note about the fact that she has terrible taste in men because they're all lesbian. <laughs> and anyway, anyway. Oh, and here we have our very first actual name besides Darius we have the brother's name like I said I thought we had his name his name was Stentor Stentor that's a name yeah that's that's a name <laughs> you know I was I was really disappointed with that I just I what was he was he a centaur because that's what it sounds like he was Stentor <laughs> the centaur that's I don't know okay I was mad about it oh my god Stentor the centaur I'm dying <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, <laughs> 
table, okay? Uh, um, around in the writing room going okay what do, what do we got what what are some names guys and they were just throwing them out there and i was like oh i'll come pick a name okay guys we're using that one centaur there we go it was just bad okay and then from that point so yeah they they dive poetic a little bit into the the death of the brother the dad is blaming xena and yelling at them and um xena makes a yeah makes her her xena cry and then there's a theme song again the theme song pops up like five times. There's a lot. This is basically just a sword fight, though. Basically, Xena um, up against Fail Dad and Eyeliner Dude going back and forth. Yeah. And Xena says something about how she was there when Stentor died, but she didn't kill him. He was trying to broker peace. Like, he, he had basically turned around, you know, and was taking a cue from his little brother's, you know, yeah. book and being like, you know what? Maybe we should try peace. But his bloodthirsty army decided to fuck that shit and murdered him. Yeah. And for some reason blamed Xena instead, because that's obviously the easiest way to do it. Always blame the woman. Um, yeah. And so Eyeliner Hottie decides that he, because he hears this and realizes that this was the brother's true point, decides that he isn't going to let his dad fight with Xena anymore. He's going to fight for peace instead. And so then they start fighting together. And dad is the literal embodiment of toxic masculinity throughout the entirety of this, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, both dads, actually. There's, there's, there's like the two different options of toxic masculinity. There's like the, the evil fail dad who thinks that the only way that you can be masculine and big is to be mean and bad. And then you have hot dad who's just reinforcing all of the like, patriarchal stereotypes of what a woman should woman should do and what a woman should be there for yeah so yeah and yeah and fail fail dad's last words are literally something like if you like if you had just killed me in battle i would have been proud of you but now you're you're killing me to protect peace so you know you're you're a piece of shit and it's like this is what you're wasting your last words on dude <laughs> yeah and i don't does does Eyeliner Hottie end up killing dad or does Xena end up killing dad? I think I think Xena delivers like the final blow. I think Eyeliner Hottie like lays him out on the ground and then Xena like picks up his sword and is like, you know, I'm gonna finish this. Right. Oh, and in the middle of all of this, Hot Dad magically reappears and delivers her chakram because of course she left it behind. And I do not understand the point of this. Like, Hot Dad just magically appears in the middle of this valley. How does she know? How does he know where she is? How does he know anything? And just has a chakram and, like, tosses it. And that happens. And, like, I, it felt very pointless to me. But, yeah. So, don't worry. The chakram does come back, at the very least. So, Fail Dad dies. Eyeliner Hottie wants peace. The gay son is a good human now. Or, well, the, the whatever son. I still think he's bi, gay, something like that. And then, at the end of it, our happy lesbian lesbians are together again with a beautiful hey stranger at the end of it. And then we get the scene with um, fail dad, not fail dad, hot dad and the kids. And the kids are very upset that Xena is leaving. Yep. And this is where the little girl finally see, finally speaks. <sighs> yep. And of course it's a don't you like us, which really reminds me of Chip from Beauty and the Beast, which is my all-time favorite movie. So I was pretty mad about that. I was mad that that was her line, because I'm mad about her speaking again. But also, oh my god, my heart. That line killed yeah. me. 
And then Hot Dad something says something like he says something like finding her happiness or why are you leaving your happiness or I don't know something because because then Zena says like oh I found it again I just have to leave it for a little while meaning that like Hot Dad is suddenly her her happy place like you've known him for two fucking days and all he wants to do is use you as a replacement for his dead wife that's some fucked up shit exactly <laughs> or I'm I'm choosing to believe that. Her happiness are, are the kids, are not him, because they have zero chemistry, and she just seems to give zero fucks about him. Exactly. But she's very that invested it's like in the, the kids. realization that she wants a family, essentially, mm-hmm. and like that's what it is. Not that she's like. I mean, obviously, I don't think she's ever going to go back to him, but like, still, it it was a weird. It, that entire exchange is weird. I don't like any of it, and I'm really glad that we're not going to see Hot Dad again because uh, the <laughs> no, okay. I'm just done with it. I'm, I'm done with it. So, yep. And um, back to our happy lesbians, Gabrielle and Zena on the road again. Gabrielle says, do you want me to drive? <laughs> Which is the best line. Oh, my God. Gab- Gabrielle <laughs> is literally the most anachronistic character, and I'm living for it. <laughs> like, I love it so much. Anyway. Yeah, basically, Gabrielle wants to drive. Zena says no. And <laughs> I don't know what the... I have a note here, but I don't know what the note actually is. Like, what what I'm referring to. Oh, I think Zena says, like, do you ever miss your family back home in whatever town Gabrielle is from? Oh, thank you. And then, yeah, and then she says the thing. Yeah, okay. And she says, she responds, sometimes, but not as much when I'm with you. And it's just the sweetest thing, because... When it comes down to it, they are, yeah, they're gay as shit, but also they're kind of their own found family. They've decided they're sticking together. They're, they're each other's family. And oh my God, it just kills me. It kills me. Oh, fuck. Okay. 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 So that's basically the episode. They ride off into the sunset being adorable and gay. And ultimately, while there is a lot of creepy, ucky shit with hot dad and stuff and a lot of um, battling the patriarchy. I do think that this was a fantastic episode for really seeing Zena kind of evolve a little bit because you blatantly see her throughout the episode kind of making like mental notes as she goes on seeing these other versions, this possible other version of herself. And Mm -hmm. you really get her coming down to this moment of like, okay, what is it that I want? Because I feel like in the last episode, we're dealing with her you know, finding penance and finding some sort of retribution for what she's done. And in this, she's realizing, okay, if I've moved past that, what else am I trying to do? Where else am I trying to go? Yeah, I think it also brings up um, a lot of good points about when Xena was bad Xena, she had obviously, like, given up certain aspects of her life because you can't, like, raise a family. Like, she and Draco couldn't have, like, had a bunch of like evil warrior brats like while they're going around killing people all the time, you know, like you're not really having like a happy family there. Right. So she had sacrificed that, but now that she's given up that life, it's like, can I do that this way? Cause like I'm still the warrior person, but like I'm a good warrior now. So it's kind of like her figuring out what parts she can still have and what parts of her life might still be not open to her because, of, you know, she's traveling around on a horse with her girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. Ultimately, um, 
what I think is that if her and Gabrielle just went and found some babies, I, I, I think that could work out. Whether or not it's, I believe you said the mentoring thing. I, I'm like, yeah. they could mentor some people. I'd be down for that. But also they could just, they just could have some babies. I'd be okay with that. I think they'd be cute moms. I think they could figure it out. We have the obviously disciplinary one. We have the obviously mom mom one. I feel like Gabrielle would be a fantastic, like just be a fantastic maternal figure. Um, but also, okay, this is going to be really weird. But a few years ago, I watched that reality TV show that was about Jillian Michaels and her family that was on E. Uh-huh. And like this relationship reminds me, like if I was going to put Gabrielle and Zena into like modern day constructs, I would totally imagine like Zena being the equivalent of the Jillian Michaels mom, whereas Gabrielle was Jillian would would have been like Jillian Michaels' wife. <laughs> and I just okay. really like it. <laughs> I am totally on board. I don't know a lot about Jillian Michaels other than I know that like she was like kicked out of her house at like 15 and then was like, fuck it. I'm just going to like build an empire. Jillian Michaels is the biggest fucking badass and I love her so much. She basically like her and her wife have just adopted like three kids and I think it's three, maybe two. I don't know. But essentially like Jillian is like the obviously kind of strict mom, but she also is really fun with them. And then her wife, Heidi, is just like the chit like super chill mom who's there all the time but is just really funny and I just like them a lot and they just like I feel like have very similar personalities to how um Zena and Gabrielle are and I know that was a really weird roundabout tangent but if Zena and Gabrielle ever adopted some babies I would just think that they would be very similar to Jillian and Heidi I just uh would read this modern AU same. Give, oh me, give me uh, like a novel length <laughs> modern yes. AU. Um, if fan fiction please send it to us. Yeah, I don't want. I like. I want to say something, but also spoilers, so I'm I'm gonna hold my tongue. But it's good. It, we've got good stuff ahead of us. We have some good shit coming up, guys. Some good shit. I think that was basically it for episode two. And uh, yeah, I think I I don't think I have anything else to say about that. I feel like I did my my deep dive of my Zena emotions. Do you have anything that you wanted to do a shout out for today, Elliot? As we wrap this episode up, um, I didn't really think about this ahead of time, but there is a new episode of Inkworm out t- today, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Inkworm as my as my queer shout out. It is a podcast about a fashion magazine in space. That is the best way to explain it. That's the only way you can explain it. <laughs> um, it's set in the future. There, There's, um, there's like, multiple species. Like, Earth is, like, you know, obviously gone out into space <laughs> and commingled with other, you know, alien, humanoid aliens. But there's a ton of queer characters and it's amazing. This most recent episode, I started listening to it and I didn't, I, I didn't finish it because I fell asleep, but like within like the first few minutes, there's just like a scene that was like, Oh my God, the feels. So oh God, everyone should listen to it. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm so excited. I love it. I love Inkworm so much. Uh, I'm also going to uh, promote another audio drama. I listen to a lot of audio dramas. They're my, my go-to. So there will be probably a lot of audio drama shout outs here. Um, and I listen to audio dramas for like eight hours a day at work. So if you have any good ones, let me know. I've probably listened to them already. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my new favorite is 
uh, oh shit, what's the full name of it? It's Kalila Stormfire's um, Economical um, Magic, the full name is a mouthful. There we go. Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services. And I've been listening Ooh, to- Ooh, I haven't heard of this one. Ooh, it's a brand new, it's Urban Fantasy. That's your jam. It is my jam. It's my jam. And there is not enough podcasts of them. Like, I think this might actually be one of the very first urban fantasy podcasts that I've really found. Um, it is written by a queer, um, I believe, Latinx writer. She is amazing. Her name is Lisette. And she is, she's doing such a good job with this. It's her first audio drama, I believe. And um, right now, up until this most recent episode, she's been doing it by completely by herself. Everything is by herself. It's a single, it's been a single narrative. But um, she has finally gotten enough support on Patreon that she's able to actually um, use some of the Patreon money to bring in another actor. So I'm super excited for that. The next episode is being a little bit delayed specifically so we can get another voice in it. And I'm super excited. Um, It's awesome. So essentially, a quick rundown of the show. It is about a witch living um, in in an area where essentially there is a coven that usually rules, like kind of rules over all of the witches in the area. And they, it's kind of like a government, like, source i don't really know how to explain it you kind of have to listen to it to understand it but this coven essentially like sets up the rules for people who perform magic and blah blah and magic is a very normal thing in this society it's very day-to-day a lot of people use witches and um you know use their services and kalila is was part of this coven but isn't any longer and so she's kind of you know picking herself by her own bootstraps and trying to make herself like a legitimate uh witch in the area even without the support of the coven and there's a lot of like backstory drama that is slowly being unveiled and i'm super 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 fucking into it the last episode was the most exciting episode so far in regards to plot and um like lisette did an amazing job with it i am so excited to keep seeing how this goes um it's very 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 queer friendly um we've already had multiple um I believe POC and queer characters. Um, the main character is um, a person of color. I'm not 100% sure on their um, ethnicity, but it's it's just amazing. It's amazing. I'm so happy with where the show is going, and I highly recommend it. Sorry, I've gone on a spiel for like five minutes about it at this point, but highly recommend it. There's only like seven or eight episodes out right now, so it's a really quick listen, but each episode comes out on the 1st and the 15th. They have a Patreon. They're amazing. They totally deserve the listen and the support. So please, 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 please go take a listen to them. Leela Stormfire's Economical Magical Services. Okay. Um, we'll we'll link to those podcasts in our show notes. And I think that's it. I think that's it too. Awesome. We need to come up with a sign off. We're really bad at this. <laughs> so, I feel like we'll I feel like we'll get there. Maybe some some good line will happen in a later episode and we can steal it i still really want to try to like do the xena cry at some point but i just can't i can't i'm not lucy lawless i can't do it i would love to but that would be a great sign off don't you think indeed indeed it would be yeah oh well okay well we'll figure it out eventually in the meantime um if you guys would like to get in touch with us for whatever reason if you have um links to those fan fictions that we were asking for or any other random commentary you'd like to talk to us about Feel free to get in contact with us at the following places. We are on Twitter at Blair Her Name Pod. Um, you can also reach out to us at Gmail. Our Gmail is BlairHerName at gmail.com. Um, Elliot's Twitter is Elliot with two T's Junkyard. 
Um, so E-L-L-I-O-T-T, junkyard. And mine is Ray Likes Cats. It's Ray with an E. We're both pretty active on both on the Twitter platform, so we're always available. And yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. Okay, housekeeping done. So thank you so much, dear listener, for being here. We appreciate every single one of you. You are amazing. And we love you. Have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye.